When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone, Tim Sylvie here and welcome to another episode of the Motormouth F1 podcast. So every day I get emails from people wanting to get their first job in Formula One or someone perhaps with 10 years in accounting wanting a career change to get into the sport they've always followed and loved. People seem to want to do a job that they love and follow their passion rather than chase the corporate money. F1 is undoubtedly an attractive place to work. The glitz, the glamour, travelling to faraway lands, mixing with sponsors, drivers, engineers, thought leaders and pioneers. There's many different ways to carve out a successful, long and sometimes lucrative career in Formula One. But is it all it's cracked up to be? Is it right for you? And if it is, what role can you find in it? We're here to answer some of those questions, and to do it, we sat down with Lindsay Orridge, a 22-year veteran of Formula One. She's worked with teams, brands, athletes, creators, media, manufacturers, agencies. She's involved with sponsorship, marketing, communications. She's the founder of the Motorsport Collective and driven by diversity and has seen it all. We cover her career, what makes her tick, what jobs are available in Formula One, and of course, some home truths. Is F1 right for you? I hope you enjoy the show. And if you've got any questions, feel free to get in touch through our socials or send me a voice note to ts at motormouth-media.com and we'll play that and respond to it on a future episode for now here's Lindsay. enjoy the show Lindsay, welcome to the motormouth f1 podcast how are you i'm good thank you how are you i'm all right thanks where are you dialing in from i'm at home um i'm normally in my office but there's um, some noisy boys out there doing some work so i am back in the house very so, good yeah in rural Oxfordshire. Very nice too. Now, we're here to talk about Formula One. And um, I know that you, as well as I, get many, many messages through LinkedIn saying, how do I get into Formula One? Um, can you help me? Have you got any contacts? And um, and they, they happen a lot. And you and I have talked about putting on certain events or webinars and things before. And I thought, what better way to address it than just have a chat on here and then send it out into the ether and maybe it'll help someone out there decide whether or not Formula One is or isn't for them. But let's start with you. 
What's your role specific to Formula One, I suppose, over the past 20 years or so? Who have you worked with? What brands? What people? What do you do? That's a very, very good question. And sometimes I struggle to put it into words because it's a lot of things. Um, So essentially, I run my own um, agency, which is a collective agency. So it's just me. And then I use my freelance network to fulfill anything that a client needs. And those clients are brands within um, the motorsport industry. So obviously, a lot of that is F1. But there's other things that come across my desk as well. Um, and that could be anything from creating a marketing strategy for a brand that's coming into motorsport or into F1 um, as a new partner or a different partner or a new type of partnership. Um, or it could be a comms um, framework or a comms plan and a campaign for them to activate. So, it, you know, for example, uh, a brand that has a product that they want to sell and they want to leverage motorsport as that platform for them to be able to sell more of those products. I primarily work with like FMCG brands, so like product brands and rather than banks and financial institutions. And I sort of also specialize in the kind of slightly on the fringe kind of brands. So the mostly the brands that I've worked for are, are people like energy drinks or um, nicotine brands, um, alcohol brands um, and petrochemical brands as well. So the people that are kind of maybe sometimes seen as a bit more difficult to activate, but um, I find that as a great challenge and I quite like it. So yeah, I tend to do a lot of that. Okay. And what do you think it is about Formula One that, that draws these people in? What Why are all these people either wanting to do a career change and get into the sport or why are young graduates wanting to find themselves in Formula One? What is it that draws them there? I think it's really interesting because for... A long, 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 long time, um, I would say almost close to 20 years, people would say, oh, you work in F1 or you work in motorsport. That's interesting. And then the conversation would stop there. Now it's like, I want to do that too. And that's really only been a fairly recent development. There were always people who wanted to work in the industry, obviously, but it has doubled, tripled, probably tenfold now. And I get no word of a lie. I probably get six or seven emails or messages a week asking that exact question it's normally a friend of a friend saying oh my daughter wants to do this or I bumped into someone and they want to move from being you know an accountant in some boring industry to being an accountant in f1 and you're like okay (laughs) um and I uh I I really think it is the drive to survive effect you know for a long long time a lot of people didn't really unless you're a hardened fan you either like motorsport or you didn't and if you didn't it was of no interest to you whatsoever and obviously drive survivors opened up that door so that people who are maybe not interested in the actual racing want to know a bit more about the industry so i really think it's it's purely that what drew you to the sport back when you started what was the 22 years ago yeah i'm honestly i'm younger than i look (laughs) um Uh, so I grew up in this area. Um, I've moved away and come back um, after a number of years. Uh, but I grew up in sort of Buckinghamshire, Oxfordshire kind of area where, I mean, it's a huge level of employment here, not just specifically motorsport, but also automotive. So Milton Keynes, there's a lot of um, automotive brands that are based there, headquarters and things like that. So um, and obviously there's Silverstone, there's all the F1 teams around here. And then there's that sort of support infrastructure around um, the area, which I think when they lasted a survey of it, it's about 50,000 people in this sort of 50 mile motorsport valley radius sort of area. Um, so it was almost impossible to not get a job in that sort of industry. Um, but I, I didn't go to university. I didn't get a degree. I went to college at the age of 17 after being a uh, grammar school dropout because I hated it. Um, and I had to do a six week work placement as part of the kind of events management, travel and tourism management um, uh 
diploma that I was doing at college and everyone else was going off and working in hotels and you know going to theme parks and things like that and I thought I'll ring Silverstone and see if they need any help because I've always loved cars cars are a big part of my life particularly classic cars and um, I've always loved driving and fixing cars and and doing all that sort of stuff Um, so I thought well I'll just ring them and see what happens and I literally rang the main number for Silverstone um, somebody answered the phone and I said, hey, I need to do some work experience with my college diploma. Um, could you maybe put me through to someone who might need some help? Uh, I don't know, marketing, comms, something like that. Put me through to the press office and Claire Williams answered. And she said, yeah, I mean, you could literally do that in those days. I mean, I literally rang the switchboard um, and somebody in the porter cabin that has only very recently been knocked down that was there for, you know, temporarily, um, for about 30 years uh answered and yeah put me through to her and I said hey you need to do six weeks work experience do you want an extra pair of hands and she said oh yeah do you want to come in tomorrow and I was like okay so I drove in and I just started there so it was one of those sort of weird things where I it was a purely perfunctory thing that I needed to do for my college course um over the summer and I walked in and I sat at Katie Tyler's desk, who still works there to this day, who is kind of comms and PR, because um, she was on maternity leave, which is hilarious, because however old her son is, I know how long I have been doing this for. Um, and whenever I bump into her, uh, it's always like, oh, how old are you now? I'm thinking, oh, God, he hasn't been doing it that long. Um, and yeah, I just kind of got on with stuff. I helped write the press guide. I helped write the um, the kind of media guides and things. I helped write the, um, you know, the kind of fan show bible thing that you can buy when you go through the gates um i pulled together all sorts of things there were things going on i remember takuma sato turned up at one point so that there you go that that dates it for you um and i had to go and escort him round to do something and you know he was out on track and doing something you know everything from that right through to we need new keys for the lockers in the media room um because someone's taken all the keys and uh we need to get them all recut so off i went into buckingham with (laughs) a load of key numbers and um got all the keys recut so that the journalists could lock their stuff in when they came for the Grand Prix that year so uh yeah I kind of I started there and because of that I then actually stayed for longer than six weeks I just kind of kept going and Claire would write me a check every couple of weeks for my mileage because she couldn't pay me she just used to pay for my mileage expenses and then you know buy me lunch and we'd go to the pub for lunch and you know that was pretty much what I did for for weeks upon weeks and um yeah I ended up staying for about six months in the end and helped them with some other stuff that was going on uh and off the back of that because I had that on my CV when I then was looking for work it was very quickly visible to someone that I had some work experience that was relevant in you know that industry so off I went to an agency in Milton Keynes called Racing Line that still exists to this day and uh, worked on things for Ford, Volkswagen, Bentley, um Lamborghini, all sorts of stuff with them and um yeah it's one of those things where it's like a phone call turned into me sitting here 20 odd years later talking to you it's funny isn't it and was there anyone during that period or even before that that was an inspiration to you was there you know anyone you looked up to that that helped you on your way um do you know what I actually would say not somebody from the industry. I mean, none of my family work in the industry. Nobody has ever done anything like this before. I don't have. I didn't have any contacts. I literally just built it from the ground up. Uh, but I would say um, nobody really within the industry. Obviously, Claire, because she gave me that opportunity, and that was really nice. But um, I then really kind of didn't really ever work with her ever again. Um, but my dad really. Um, he instilled a very sort of. A specific type of work ethic in me he was a bit of a workaholic and I've certainly got those tendencies um and he loved cars he you know what always watched f1 and we would kind of watch stuff together but 
it was that kind of um, drive for wanting to do something that you really wanted to do. Um, and I was raised as a very independent, you know, girl and told you can do what you want. And so there was never any question of it being like, you can't do that. It was just like, oh, if you want to do it, go and do it. Like I literally never even questioned it. And even now I don't. Yeah. So, so your so your dad certainly shaped you as the, as the person that you are now. And, and what's 100%. left for you to achieve? Is there anything? Do you know where you're going with your career, or are you just sort of taking as it as it comes, taking it project by project, or do you have like a five ten year plan? Where where do you want to go? I'd love to suggest that I had planned any of this, but I have never planned anything. I am not that person, and I think also you can have goals and you can want to do certain things. But one of the things that I come up against quite a lot from people specifically younger people wanting to come into the industry whether that's male or female um is that i want to work for x and i never ever had that like in mind i wanted to do i wanted to work i you know i started working at 17 pretty much full time i had three jobs at one point whilst i was at college um and i wanted to I, i liked the idea of representing brands and understanding what that brand meant and then wanting to go and put that into practice whether that was through an event or through a campaign but at the time I hadn't understood that formulated that that's like a retrospective view of me going oh that's what I wanted to do at the time I wasn't thinking about it that literally I just wanted to do something that wasn't sitting in an office and being bored senseless all day and I liked cars and I had an understanding of motorsport as a bit of a fan and then um, kind of went from there so it's it's um I think it's more about being driven and having a goal. So I never had a plan of like, I want to go and work for insert name or thing here. I've never interviewed for a job in my life. Like if someone asked me to do an interview, I don't even know what happens in interviews. Genuinely, I would be like, what do you mean I have to prepare something? I, every single thing I've done has been because I've built a network and someone's gone, oh, we have a hole in our business like this and we want to fill it with someone like you would you like to come and do this and I've gone yeah actually I think I'm done here yeah of course I'd like to come and do that or I've lost a job through you know the financial crisis and then had to go oh what we're doing now and off I went and found other things but that's all from my network yeah never ever from a plan never and in terms of like going forwards I very intentionally a number of years ago when I left um my role with Monster Energy um, and then had a few months of recovering because ironically I'd run out of energy after working for them Uh, and I very intentionally thought I'm going to set up on my own because I want to do what I want to do I don't just want to be part of a team that means I have a remit of 100 athletes and a million events I want to have a bit more control over that and I also want to work with the people that I want to work with which is a ever decreasing list of people (laughs) as I get older (laughs) Um, but that I also want to, uh, I, I want to do more of that strategic stuff. So 99% of what I do now is not hands on, on an event on the yeah. ground. It is advising brands and saying, okay, you're trying to do this and you don't know anything about this world. I do. Let me help you make that happen because I understand your business now and I understand this world and I can put the two together. So it's that sort of high level stuff. So I very rarely travel to events these days. Very it's, rarely. It's funny. You mentioned that, uh, that list of people that is getting smaller and smaller are the ones you want to want to work with um i i've got this thing I've, i think a lot of people who tend to be sort of serial freelancers or consultants in formula one tend to build up this little um inner circle this this secret inner sanctum of individuals yep. that they'll work with or trust uh-huh. and i've got uh-huh. i reckon i've got probably no more than 10 people in my sort of f1 or motorsport world that i would absolutely trust with any information 
outside of that, I just keep my mouth shut because there's, there's like Darren Andrews, one of them who I've known for years, a top bloke. He's been around the paddock forever, not so much Formula One, but in, you know, GT racing. So I could tell him anything. And I know yeah. that I could have complete confidence that it's not going to go elsewhere or he's going to abuse what I've, what I've told him. Um, but the, they're, they're hard to come by, aren't they? The people that you can really trust in this sport. Very, very, very hard to come by. And I think there's this lovely sort of um, thing that people talk about when they say about working in motorsport, that it's a family. And it is, but I don't know about your family, but I certainly know my family. Um, there's the ones that you don't talk to and the ones that you do talk to and the ones that you'll answer the phone to and the ones that you won't. And I think it is exactly that. And it's that, that core group of people that you know you can absolutely trust beyond belief. And I take that very, very seriously with the people that are really important to me and it is a mutual thing and I think once you've worked out you know you can work it out fairly quickly if you're a bit savvy of like oh actually that's not someone I can trust um and the people that you can do it's so much more rewarding and I think that's the difficult bit when you're coming into this industry because you think oh everyone's so nice and everyone's a big family and I can trust everybody it's like well you actually can't that's just not how the world works right and that's not specific to most sports that's just the world so I think yeah finding your sort of little I hate to use that cringy term but like finding your tribe super important yeah. and then once you found them you can just crack on yeah no for sure now i want to turn our attention to um some of the roles that are available within the sport so you know there's there might be someone starting out who who has taken a generic business degree or whatever because it you know obviously there's engineering and there's mechanics and there's you know all that sort of stuff but there's so much more within that sort of one kilometer stretch of paddock that that you can get involved in what are some of the roles available in formula one and and how do you make sure as a grad or you know someone leaving college or even school that you that you stand out from the crowd yeah um again I, I give this advice to people all the time is that you can study for a degree all you like obviously I never did that so and I know that was a long time ago and things were different back then however I would never hire someone necessarily based on they have studied for a degree that tell that teaches them x y and z for me, it would be much more to do with, do you fit in within what you know is the reality of this world? Not what you think it is or what you want it to be or the aspiration that in 10 years time, it'll all be this sort of utopia. It won't be. That it's, um, can you fit in and are you resilient, right? So I would never necessarily hire someone specifically based on a degree that they had done or an education thing that they've done. It's personality, a lot of it is, and graft. Um, but I think a lot of the roles that people assume and again this is something that I come up against all the time and I'm always very very keen to explain to people that that's not really how things work is that they assume that there are a hundred people at every F1 team that are all doing marketing and then there are a hundred people doing comms there's not there's probably 10 <laughs> um, and they are supported by agencies who work on behalf of the brands and also some of them who work on behalf of the teams but it is largely driven by the agencies behind the scenes if you want to work in these sort of softer skills you know sort of marketing comms content side of things the actual teams themselves don't have huge budgets to spend on these things even the ones that are making significant sums out of sponsorship they are not spending that money they're not spending hundreds of millions of pounds on marketing and comms it's the brands that are spending that money on that and it's the agencies in between whether small like mine or big like the Wassermans and the um you know sort of right formulas of the world that um are actually the people that are employing people to make those things happen um and i think a lot of people have that massive misconception that the ultimate goal is to go and be a marketing person or a comms person at an f1 team and it's like they are very limited roles normally by people who have been there for a significant amount of time who aren't going anywhere so you know the likelihood of you getting something like that 
in the immediate term is very very unrealistic so i i always say to people look for the agencies get mm. get experience for agencies first because you're doing all the graft yeah and it's you mentioned uh, soft skills there which is is something that shouldn't be overlooked and i was talking to mark Priestley, who you probably know um uh he, he was on the show a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about soft skills because i only have soft skills i don't have any whatever the opposite is hard skills i don't know i don't have any of them <laughs> but like academia you know qualifications i have none, yeah, none. i've literally mm-hmm. got th- bumbled through life on soft skills and he was saying soft skills is is an annoying term because it's an insulting way of putting yeah. it they're not soft they're important mm-hmm. and they're human skills and without those you can't succeed and you know some of the best leaders in formula one you look at someone like I don't know, Christian Horner or Toto Wolf, And, you know, yes, they've got their detractors, but they're good at managing people and bringing teams up, you know, and, and Toto is a hugely wealthy, inspirational, but also probably an extremely good people manager. Um, I don't know, but, you know, I'd imagine there's traits in there that you have to have to be good with people. But um, it's, it's an important thing, isn't it? It shouldn't all be about what you've qualified at university or what you've studied. You've got to be able to actually hold a conversation and manage the people around you. Absolutely. And like I say, you also need to be able to do it on two hours sleep and having probably the early part of your career being flown in a middle economy seat and sharing a room with someone that you don't know (laughs) and uh, jet lag to hell and you're flown in on the absolute latest flight possible and you're on the first flight out and then you're back off again. Um, So I think that resilience and, yeah, like I say, communication and being able to be a good communicator. And again, I think a lot of people think being a good communicator is being able to um say the right words it's not it's actually being able to just get along with people and again something i come up against all the time is new people who are coming into the industry or who have an opinion on how the industry is run and who see that it needs to change i'm not saying it doesn't it has changed certainly in the time that i have been around but it also runs this way because it runs this way should it possibly not are there things that need to change absolutely like there is as soon as you walk out your front door in the morning there are things that need to change in every part of the world and every um, industry but this is how it works at the moment so don't think that you can come in and say well this isn't how things should work so I'm going to come in and be that person to change it because you will be turned on your heels and you will be back out the door within five seconds and there are some tough people in Formula One you know while while they might be good people managers they're also they also don't uh, take any prisoners Um, as Uh I discovered in my early career you know you I've been laughed out I was laughed out the door at 24 or something literally laughed Mm -hmm. out the door by a very very senior person in Formula One at the time and I felt awful you know and I could have that could have ended it for me um, so I think resilience is is obviously something that you need. Let's talk home truths, yeah, a subject that you and I have talked about um, <laughs> privately in Formula One um, about some of the home truths that that people may not see coming into the sport fresh. Yeah. Um, I mean, where to start with this? There's so much, but c- can Formula One? The calendar is long. There's about four thousand races now, and they're traveling all over the world. Can you have a home life and work in Formula One? Uh, you can. And I think if you are younger, it's easier. Um, and having traveled for anywhere from 20 to 40 weeks a year and still being able to hold down relationships, I can testament, you know, I can testify that it is hard. Um, admittedly, those relationships are no longer relationships. So, uh, maybe I'm probably the wrong person to ask, but hey, we tried. Um, <laughs> um, but, um, I think the 
the the thing to remember is is that if you want to go you know gangbusters and focus on your career having someone at home who doesn't understand that is really really hard um i've never had a relationship with someone who's actually worked in the industry i've only ever had relationships with people who are outside of the industry and once you get them on board with understanding what you do all day long and why you disappear for six weeks at a time it's a bit easier you know obviously depending on how reasonable they are um that they understand it okay well yeah i understand why you haven't responded to me for 12 hours because you're you know in the middle of a war zone essentially um and it is possible to do it but I think it takes a lot of grit from the other person who you're leaving at home or it takes someone who does understand it because they have or do work in it and obviously there's a lot of people that that have those sorts of relationships um with people within the within the industry but uh yeah I think the the kind of home truth for me was burning out and realizing like oh okay yeah I need to actually have some balance and I have none whatsoever and it was really quite a frightening experience hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Actually, I went from working 20 hour days and sleeping for four hours a day to literally sleeping 20 hours a day and only being able to like barely be awake for about four hours because I'd literally run my body out of energy and once I'd resolved that I knew that I didn't ever want to do that again so I literally restructured my life and my ways of working and set up on my own so that I didn't have to get to that point again but nobody else is going to stop you from doing that it's it's only you that can stop that and I think it's very easy to see it as um, we're going away yeah we've got another you know another trip and off we go again and now it's exciting and especially if you've never done that before those first few years when the newbies are in and you're like oh yeah here we go you're gonna have the best couple of years of your life and then you're gonna realize in year three that actually it's a bit of a grind coming back to the same track and doing the same old stuff over and over again um but yeah I think you can do it I think you need a very understanding partner if that's what you want to be doing with your life um but yeah, I'm talking as a woman who doesn't have children as well. So very, very aware that that is a very different way of dealing with things. So, And being a woman um, uh-huh. in F1, I was in Austin <laughs> uh, a couple of weeks ago for the F1 and uh, I saw, obviously it's F1 Academy. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw lots of uh, women working in the F1 teams. I saw loads of girls and women mm-hmm. in the uh, marketing teams and press teams and comms teams. It feels like it's really change it certainly has changed since i started 2005 when there was only a handful i'm sure but now it feels like there's a lot of women in the paddock what's it like in modern f1 working as a woman in the sport um i would say obviously i'm coming at it from a point of view of somebody who's been around for a long time and has you know worked very hard to gain a lot of respect and to have uh, um a good network of people around me uh 
I very rarely encounter problems. And when I do encounter problems because of my gender, it is normally because of somebody who would have those opinions, whether you were in the pub with them or on the street, and it's not about working with them. Um, and I think that is something that you rub up against in daily life, right? There's someone that you just who just doesn't like you or doesn't think that you're good enough or thinks they're better than you. Um, and you just have to sort of handle it. And I, I, I think it's it's very easy to gender a lot of these things because when you are in a minority, it feels like you are in a minority because people want you to be in a minority. And I don't ever, I don't think I've ever, ever had that impression of we don't want women here. I don't think I've ever had that. I've certainly had very unpleasant experiences and unpleasant experiences that I think if a lot of people heard about them, that they would probably be horrified and would be um, wanting to make sure that those things never happen again. But that's something that I take quite seriously personally for the other women that I work with so I have an open door policy for anybody who wants to whether they know me or not to get in touch if they want to talk about something that has happened that has troubled them and that could be anything from you know this person's just being a you know bit of a dick or even up to more extreme things so that if there's something that I can offer them as support or guidance or maybe signpost them to someone who might be able to help that I would do that for them because nobody really ever did that for me and I wish they had so that's the way that I take control of it from my point of view. But I have to say 99.9% of the men that I work with are not those guys. They are like brothers, you know, big brothers, little brothers and people who look out for you and they are caring and they want you to do well and they do not care that you are a woman. And I think a big misconception, another misconception of people coming into the industry, particularly women, a lot of the emails and messages that I get start with, I know women aren't really um, welcome in the industry. And I always say, where did you hear that from? You know, or oh, I know it's hard for women to work in the industry. And you're like, well, it's not. It's just, it's hard for anybody to work in this industry. You're then adding a lens to it. I'm not saying that there aren't any issues because I know that there are. But I think approaching it from that purely gendered point of view sometimes is not always helpful. And I think it is more helpful to look at it from the point of view of if you want to come and work in this industry, what are the things that you're going to be faced with and in terms of resilience and needing to be able to communicate with people and then take it on a case by case basis. Right. The statistics are not the individual's experience as far as I'm concerned for everybody. So the statistics shows less than 10 percent of women working in this industry. That does not mean that every woman is oppressed. It means that there are some people who are having better experiences than other, and that might come and go and come and go over your career. Um, and they maybe don't feel that there's a place for them to go and speak to somebody because there are fewer women in senior management positions. And I think it'd be very, very difficult. And again, speaking from personal experience, if you were in a situation where you wanted to escalate something, taking that to a male boss who is probably friends with the person that you want to tell them about, who maybe been friends for 20 years, that's very difficult and that is not right. That is the issue, like it is the issue in a lot of industries, rather than the individual people. Yeah. No. What what you're uh what you're not saying between the lines is is a, a deep and dark subject, I'm sure, that mm. needs to be explored at some point. Whether I, I want to do it now is probably not the best thing to do. But th- but there's th- there's obviously things that happen in paddocks and, and away from the paddocks um, that no one hears about um, and get brushed under the carpet because of, you know, a couple of mates that have, like you say, known each other 20 years. You just can't break that. Um, but uh, it's like any industry. It, w- you know, it, it will. It, it will come out. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. It will. Um, Always does in the end. Yeah, it it always does. But I'm sure there are, on the positive side, 
if you want to have a career in Formula One and you are completely driven and single-minded, you can be very, very successful. And there's lots of instances of that. Um, I think someone else that both you and I know, Karen Fink, who, who, you know, didn't start in a terribly senior position many years ago and is now very, very senior in Aston Martin, Lagonda and, and Aston Martin Racing and has held some some brilliant positions, has done incredibly well. My uh, sometimes podcast host and actually um, new business partner, Harry Benjamin, who who started as a runner um, in, I think, Formula E with Nicky Shields was his first sort of exposure to it. it was oh, a runner, really? But he, he was so <laughs> single-minded and, and, and um, passionate about what he's doing. And now he's, you know, can often be found leading the commentary on BBC Radio 5 Live for F1 and He's lead commentator of F1 Academy. Um, you know, he and I have just started a business together and, and that's just through being determined and, and being a nice person. He's just a nice guy to deal with. Absolutely. Um, so, so if you have the ambition, you can get there, can't you? I mean, you want to be team principal. Why not? Yeah. Like there's, there are, there, the barriers to entry in this industry are, do you live within a 50 mile radius where most of the teams are? Yeah. And that's obviously a problem in and amongst itself. I was privileged enough to be born here you know and to be born into a, the county of Buckinghamshire which allowed me to eventually live in an area where I was in striking distance of employment opportunities that allowed me to work in this industry that is literally a lottery right so I, I really feel for the people that are living on the other side of the world that are wanting to come and work in this industry because it's like well are you going to move to a specific region of Italy or are you going to move to a specific region of England or are you going to move out to Indianapolis you know that's pretty much when you break it down is what you need to do to work in motorsport so but the collaboration side of things is the most important bit there is this whole industry is built on competition on the track competition off the track is important because it can't just be about what is physically happening on the tracks of course you need to have a competitive element between teams or between other brands that want to be muscling for you know space in the industry but individually competition is not a good thing competitiveness great but like competition no and i think the sooner you realize that you actually need to build like a a group of people around you excuse me who can help you to achieve those things and who will support you and collaborate with you so that for example yesterday i was driving back from um from somewhere and my phone pinged and it was a message from someone in um, a formula one team saying hey could you help us with something completely out of the blue? That is not me telling people that I'm looking for work or that I need more work or anything like that. Like people know that I do what I do because of I'm doing it for so long and because people know me within lots of different circles so that when they say, oh, we need that help with that. Who would, oh, hang on, I'll, you know, call Lens. Like they do for lots of other people. It's not just me and lots of other people who operate in that way. And I think that's purely comes out of collaboration and, and being supportive of other people and recognising that, yes, this is a very competitive industry, but being competitive with the other people in it is not the way to succeed. The way to succeed is literally collaborating and supporting and building a network. We have a Women in Motorsport WhatsApp group, which 99.9% of the work and the you know, help gets done in this WhatsApp group. Honestly, the amount of work that gets done in it, I need someone to help with this job or can someone recommend a brand or an agency to do this or I've got this job and I can't find anyone to fill it. Does anyone know anyone who could help me fill it? Or I'm trying to get hold of so-and-so if I've got their right phone number. Oh, no, you haven't. Here it is. Like that is literally the way to do things. Yeah. And that's not like, like, again... That sounds like a great WhatsApp group. Like I want to be in that WhatsApp group. Sorry, it sounds like a great way to get business. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. It's a supportive thing and it's a very mutual thing. And it's not yeah, something yeah. where you just come in and you join and you say, cool, can someone just help you solve all these things? And then you leave. It's a mutual thing. And it, it can be as simple as, like I say, a quick request for this, or I'm supporting a charity. Can someone find me a signed cap or, you know, something like that. So, and that again, isn't a gendered thing. That's just purely built out of the fact that we all live in the same area and we want to, to find a way of connecting with each other rather than once a year when we all turn up at say farmhouse and yeah. tell each other what we've been doing all year because yeah. we've seen each other <laughs> <laughs> and there, there are certain outside of you know building yourself a network being good to other people you know doing the right things right there, there are some basics aren't there that you know probably you know not not just apply to formula one but apply to any job and um it's amazing i did ages ago maybe sometime last year i did a webinar with jenny gal and and we talked a lot about the basics of work and all you know stuff that you sort of take for granted but it was amazing how many people commented on those things and said oh it's really good to hear about you know the ethics of working you know working hard being there early and so on yeah. what, what are some of those basics that you think are important when it comes to succeeding in the formula one industry first and foremost being trustworthy and honest because if you're not you will not last um and also recognizing that you're probably going to see and hear some things that you probably want to go and tell other people about but you probably shouldn't <laughs> certainly not in the first instance um uh, and I don't mean bad things but I mean like confidential things right that you might be like oh I'm excited because it looks like they're talking oh that driver turned up today for a meeting and it looks like we might be signing him for next year it's like yeah you're going to see all that stuff like just accept it and also uh, <laughs> I don't mean this to sound like it's going to come across as probably not the way I'm intending it but like be cool yes you're surrounded by people who you're like oh my god that's so like I personally I'm not a fan I rarely watch races I'll watch if like I'm watching with a friend or if like we're at the pub or you know if it's on in the background and I'm not doing something else but I, I just don't I'm not a fan first um I take my role very seriously in the sense of wanting to be a trustworthy, honest and reliable individual who says that she's going to do that something and she does it. Yeah. And then she does it to a degree that everyone's like, oh, thanks. That was above and beyond what we expected. But that if you say you're going to do something that you actually follow through with it. And if you don't behave like that, you won't last five minutes. But also you're not there to take selfies with drivers. You know, the amount of times I have taken people on because they seemingly have the skills to help me with something, whether that is when I've been employed at a brand or an agency or whether I've worked, been working for myself. And you very quickly realize like, oh, you just want to get pit lane selfies. That's not the job. There's a thing over here that's on fire that you need to put out. Can you go and sort that? And you very quickly realize who those people are. And I would never, ever take anybody on who behave like that. Yeah, like absolutely carte blanche no way not not doing it because my clients would then not be served correctly and that would reflect on me which would reflect on the impact of my future and my reputation therefore i'm not taking a risk on you so if you want to come and work in this world be cool be honest be trustworthy be on time and if you say you're going to do something do it no good advice and, and i think you know that the trustworthy thing is massive in formula one because like you say you do hear contractual things you hear things about drivers you <laughs> hear things that, you know, might be legal or have legal ramifications. You have to be able to to know when to keep your mouth shut and just listen yeah. and hold. Nobody wants to be the nobody will want to work with you if they know that you're the gossip. And obviously there's stuff that goes on and you might like say, Oh, you never guess what I saw the other day and it's like a you know, like you do with your mates down the pub about something that you've seen about a mutual friend or something like that. And so I'm not suggesting that you can't ever tell anyone anything that you've seen. But it is like don't be the don't be the pattern gossip. Do you know what I mean? Like that's just grim. Like don't be that person. Just and don't and don't be a reason for the pattern gossip as well. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um 
Right, I'm going to come on to our final three. Now, yeah. we say these same questions to everybody, and the answers don't have to be motorsport related. So it could be about yeah. anything at all. Um, right, first one for you. What's got you excited at this very moment? Motorsport or, or motorsport related at all? Anything at all. Oh, well, I mean, there's a few answers to that, but I probably couldn't say them. Um, uh, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, what has got me excited currently? Well, actually, in the spirit of something motorsport related, I think the one of the campaigns that I've been working on for the last couple of years with um, McLaren's principal partner, BAT, um, their brands, Views and Velo, we have been doing some really, really wonderful and exciting things with them. And there's some exciting stuff coming. Um, and we've got some really, really fun plans for 2024 as well, um, which is definitely something that I'm excited about because that's something that I kind of kicked off. You know, I started that and have been seeing that through. And that's super, super exciting. I can't tell you what some of those things are, so I appreciate that that's not a very good story. But um, I think that is that is really exciting because it is a different thing that we are doing in the industry. A lot of brands come in and do uh, campaigns that sort of come and go and come and go, whereas this has got longevity and it's really supportive for uh, a unique group yeah. of people, artists and creators, particularly for the Views campaign and also for fans on the Velo side of things. That's super exciting. Okay, we'll look forward to seeing that. Um, number two, how much of your success do you put down to luck and right place, right time? And how much do you put down to hard work and graft? Um, I mean, luck certainly being born in the right place and being afforded the opportunities that I was afforded to say to my parents, yeah, I don't want to do school anymore, so I'm going to leave and I'm going to go and work full time and I'm 17 and now I've got a car, I can go and do what I want. That's a huge privilege and that's a lot of luck. Um, and But then everything after that was hard work and graft. Like I have... I've definitely been in the right place at the right time, but I've, without really necessarily realising that I've done it, probably engineered myself to be in the right place at the right time. Um, and then you have to put the hard work in afterwards. So this thing with the day that I think is perfectly sums it up. Like if you want to, you know, if you, you're running for the bus and the bus is about to leave and you're not going to get it. Like if you don't run, you're never going to catch that bus. But if you also pray, oh my God, I really want to catch this bus and you run, and you still miss it. It probably wasn't your bus, but you still, you should run. You should make the effort and you should also like cross all your fingers. So I think you have to do a bit of both. Like, there's always going to be right place, right time. Someone thinking of you in the right place. Um, but yeah, I think it's probably early days luck and then graft after that. And what are you scared of? Oh my goodness. Not many things actually. I mean, I, I kind of, you name it, it's happened to me like legitimately. Um, even on motorsport events, I've been threatened by like armed gunmen and not in the way that most people are normally threatened by armed gunmen and, you know, leaving the paddock in Brazil and trying to steal your watch. Um, yeah, I've, you know, nearly crashed in a number of helicopters and met my early demise. Um, none of those things frighten me, but I really hate frogs. Oh, God, uh, I hate frogs. Hold yeah. on a second. Oh, they're disgusting. You're they frightened disgusting. by frogs. Yeah, I had a traumatic early incident riding my pony. There you go, there's your privilege. Um, check that. Uh, as a child, and it rained, and all of these baby frogs just came out from nowhere, and my pony killed like thousands of them. And it, like, it still upsets me thinking about it. like, my palms yeah, are sweating. That's traumatic. So I can, it is traumatic. I, can, I also yeah. had a very traumatic haircut as a child, which I've never ever. Um, so I get my hair cut twice a year. I'm very low maintenance um, wow. because uh, it, it was very traumatizing. But I frogs, frogs, frogs. Yeah, on, even thinking about them makes me. But I, I, I'm not frightened of. I, I nothing really frightens me. 
that's got dog. practical joke birthday presents oh all over yeah it. yeah Did you wait that's yeah. that's a first that in 180 really? episodes or whatever never had frogs get in what do people normally say oh uh, well we've had killer whales uh, killer whales yeah uh, we've had tea bags obviously spiders <laughs> and stuff like that um, sorry tea bags yeah that was crofty i think he was winding me up I, okay, I, I can't believe he's afraid of tea bags um i think it was just an excuse not to make his mrs tea or something but um <laughs> uh, we, we've had all <laughs> sorts i mean mine that. is mine's up there i've got i can't I never remember how you say it trip tricker trypophobia trichophobia oh, the the fear of tiny tiny holes yeah they're like the weird little like yeah like yeah, that's that is weird that phenomenon, isn't it? But that doesn't frighten me. That I'm really not me. frightened of like I'm not frightened of dying. I'm not frightened of yeah, like maybe creepy men. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, but I think that's a universal fear. That's yeah, un- I mean, like, I'm afraid of creepy men. I have but to it- say, I do. There is one thing that, like, if I if I wake up in the night and hear a noise, I automatically think somebody is breaking in. That is yeah. that's the also my brain immediately goes to that. But I also know. That if they did, I'd batter them. Oh yeah, I have no doubt. No Unless doubt. there was someone else there to help batter them for me, in which case I'd probably ask them to do it. But if I needed you... to, I'd batter them. Well, if, if I ever break into your house, I'm just going to throw a box of frogs at you, and I can take whatever <laughs> yeah. I want. I'll be straight out the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see you later. Hop off. Right. Uh, Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us. I, I think it's really interesting. Your insights are, are really valuable and I hope that they help someone out there who's either looking for a career change or trying to get into motorsport for the first time, whether that be F1 or somewhere else in a paddock. Um, thanks for joining us on the podcast. See you soon. So welcome. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore, Instagram at Motormouth underscore official and Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can also download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile to interact with other fans and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. We're also proud to be supporting the Brain Tumor Charity too. So make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumors quicker. Don't forget to like, subscribe and review. And until next time, you've been listening to the Motormouth Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 